Listen, kid, we're gonna talk about Hades. Hades. I'm Batman. Special Batman episode? Special Batman crossover. Listen, you fucking punk. Batman's here to talk about fucking Hades. Hades. You can listen, or you can get the fuck out of it. <laughs> Today is January 21st, 2022, and tonight in the Museum of Modern Games, we will be discussing Hades. This episode was recorded back in June of 2021, and as always, this podcast is intended for people who have played the game, and as such, we will not be avoiding spoilers. You have been warned. Welcome, everybody. It is June 9th. 2021 and it's that time again time to talk about video games and today's topic will be Hades Hades of Norse mythology fame um man this I can't tell if you're accidentally saying Norse or not it's I know it's Persian mythology okay <laughs> Persian the museum of modern games that's what you're listening to. Welcome to Welcome it. Welcome to it. That's that's how we do intros <laughs> in a weird order for no reason. Uh, it's June 9th, 2021, and we're going to be talking about Hades. I thought it was pronounced Hades. Well, it might be. I don't have confirmation on the pronunciation of this game. Uh, it's the roguelike dungeon crawler uh, developed and published by Supergiant. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about it. Uh, let's, what do you think, man? Good game? Bad game? Mediocre this is a good game? game. This is the first game, actually second game I ever 100%ed on. You 100%ed this. You're a madman. Get out of here. Leave now. I did it. You're disgusting. And the first one. You're disgusting. The first one was only had one achievement, so. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you 100%ed this. I know. You're free. Amazing. The remarkable thing about this game to me is... It took a concept that I'm not crazy about, or that I have mixed feelings about, which is roguelikes, and it made it into something that I really enjoyed, and um, it is, it's something I kept playing much longer than I thought I would. It's addictive, yeah. but that's, I think that's something we'll kind of have to talk about, the addictive nature of this game, but yeah, it surprised me, really sucked me in, and I was going to make a Medusa joke. I know, I was but, too! Uh, nope, we're not gonna do it. We're not gonna. We're too classy yet. Maybe later. Yeah. So, a brief history and development. This was published by Supergiant, and it was le- released for Microsoft Windows, Mac OS, and Nintendo Switch. Have you ever played any Supergiant games before? I, you know, I haven't. Because um, they also made Bastion, right? Bastion in 2011. That was their first game, which I, I think I might have briefly touched it. Uh, they also did Transistor in 2013, Pyre in 2017, which I think all of those games have been pretty well received. So I I did a little research on them. Pyre, you might be interested to hear this. It's described as a party-based role-playing game with combat system that is described as fantasy basketball. It sounds really, really cool. Check this out. But yeah, everything they've done so far has been very successful 
They're based in San Francisco, I believe. They were founded back in 2009, and they've just been killing it from, they've been uh, from killing what I can it see. From day one. I should play more of their games. Yeah. Um, Bastion's really good. I Bastion's played it. Bastion's good. They all look interesting to me, but I'm just a loser. That's all <laughs> my only ex- excuse. This game was highly praised for its gameplay, art direction, music narrative, pretty much everything. It sold over a million copies. I don't know exactly what the number is, but it did pretty well for itself. So let's get into our personal history. I, I played this around 36 hours. Oh, yeah. I gotta check mine. You, you sunk some time into this. I got some time. I, I invested my some of my life into this one. 74.6 hours. Oh, my God. Good two weeks worth of work. That is impressive. So I got to the point where I defeated Hades the, I guess, 10th time or whatever and saw the credits, but I pretty much stopped at that point. What? How far did you go down this rabbit hole? I mean, I essentially... I kind of... After getting the credits, I wanted to see the conclusion of the, some of the storylines. So and I kind of just kept, kept, kept going. Playing, you know? <laughs> um, I wanted to bang Meg... That's understandable. That's mm, that Meg. I tell you what. All of my knowledge of tell you of, uh, of Greek mythology comes from this and the movie Hercules, the Disney As, movie. And what else do you need? And really? both of them have characters named Meg that have awoken something inside. That me. are both sensual creatures. Yes. <laughs> no, but I which, uh, okay. Which Meg is better though? Oh, the one definitely. in this game. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Why I asked that dumb question? Stupid question. And then I made the mistake of looking her up in real life. Mm-hmm. By her, you mean real life Megara? Yes. <laughs> the voice actress. A skeleton at this point? <laughs> no. The voice... Okay. The voice actress. Has she she's... done other things? I don't care. <laughs> I just want to know if she's hot. That's all. She is. I have a crush on her. IRL. That's, that's just like... I'm okay. available. You're just... You're just showing off. You're a voice actress. You don't even need to be attractive. You don't need... Yeah, you need you to can, look like Garrison Keillor. <laughs> you, you don't... You need a radio face. Face for radio. But all the storylines keep on going for quite a while. I have heard that. Uh, why don't we Why don't we segue this into a discussion of yes. this story? Because I think the gameplay is going to be the majority of our discussion. Yeah. I mean, the story is pretty straightforward. It is. But yeah. here, here's what I like about it. You want to find your mommy. I want to find my mommy. Uh, the the thing is, this is the thing that's great about the story in this game. They didn't have to have it. That's true. There's a lot of dialogue, a lot of Tons character development. Of di- a lot of dialogue. My God, this game has more dialogue than... You wish 99. there was less dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all fully voice acted. Like It's very well done in this, in this this from the standpoint of... They know no one's going to read dialogue for more than, like, a minute or two at a time at any one point. And yeah, it's, really it's sprinkled throughout. Through. Just, like, a delicate... Peppered was a better word. Peppered, You're right. sprinkled. Either one. You get the point. That, like, literally the pacing though, of it is very nicely done. Yes. They, mm-hmm. It's this oniony kind of approach mm-hmm. to the story where I know I have this game I want to play... But you're still gonna give me that little peel back every little bit of incentive, yeah. yeah. And and it's that's an awesome approach. 
and one that we haven't seen very often. Yeah. And literally, they could have made this game completely without the story, and it would have still had legs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They could have at least, they could have had much less content. The fact that, from what I understand, people have played this game much, much longer than me, and they're still getting new dialogue. Still new dialogue. It's yeah. crazy. Some say the dialogue never ends, and it's being created at a rate that <laughs> is faster than Exceeds it can be consumed. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, I... I the thing I really love about this game's story is that the gameplay loop is married to this yes. delivery of the story. The expected and really unavoidable repeated death is an integral part of the game and yeah. it's commented on as you as you play through. Yeah. This is it, it this is it, they, they turn the trope of a video game having lives yeah. into a story and meta element um, yes. of the game. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I'll you always... know, we saw it in another game that we reviewed, which was Outer Wilds. Uh, they both have that approach to folding in an element of the game play into what the game is, which is such yeah. a cool freaking idea. It's so cool because it doesn't, it, it makes it feel less gamey. Yeah. Even though it's so central to what a game is. The fact that it's not just a point score system. You have X lives. It's like this is a continuous experience Yeah, for you and for the characters within the world. It's really neat. Right. Yeah, and it, yeah, and that's the other thing is that each death is having an impact on your character, right? And they're commenting on it. And it, it, yeah, it doesn't take you out when you die. It's still... You're still in it, right? In it to win it, baby. In it to kill your papa. <laughs> your, your peppers. Your step pepper. <laughs> I figured from the beginning that Hades, despite his shitty attitude and gruff exterior, had some noble motives for keeping you from the surface. Did you... Were you as smart as me? <laughs> Probably everyone in the world that's played this game. I didn't know. I didn't know how it was going to be, I guess. In retrospect, it seems obvious, but I don't know. You if thought I'd he was just that. a dick for no reason. I was like, his mustache is fucking sweet. He is a bad boy. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, almost as attractive as Megara. I have to. I have to <clears> say, <throat> you can romance your own father in this. That's a weird oh, take. Oh man, yikes! And Cerberus. I didn't think that was. Necessary. No, no. Um, I. But seriously, you can romance Medusa, though, so... You can, and... <laughs> I guess... And I have... No, I, I did not get to the romance part as oh. much as I wanted to. Even in video games, I'm a loser. <laughs> the... Uh, I, I gotta say, how'd you feel about the ending of this game? There is no ending. Gee! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I gotta say, I did not like how it ended very much, because here's here's my thing. It seemed like Zagreus was like a kid in a modern divorce movie trying to get his parents back together. <laughs> it was the parent but he, trap. But he didn't understand that they didn't want to be together anymore. But then they somehow do get back together anyway. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's it the parent like, trap game version. <laughs> this game is parent trap, and that's really all you need to know. End of podcast. Yeah, I will say it was a little anticlimactic. Uh, the first... Roll credits. It, I was kind of like, eh, yeah, I feel okay. empty inside. I mean, I, I wish there would have been a better kind of 
resolution they could have had somehow. Uh, I think by virtue of the fact that on the tenth defeat, that's when the game ends. That's inherently anticlimactic. Although it's cool that he, he just lets you pass. That's pretty. That's a pretty cool, pretty moment. neat. But I had the sickest build, and I was so <laughs> looking forward to beating his ass. I was kind of him. upset, but that was, I think, part of what made it anticlimactic. But in the end, who cares? Because you can yeah. keep playing this game. This is a game built again on that. It's a very clever system of feeding you these uh-huh. little rewards and accomplishments mm-hmm. as you go. Oh, yeah. Not only in story, but also the fact that they keep it fresh by changing the level structure every time, changing the build and the randomness of the power-ups you're getting. Just All dopamine hits constantly. Yeah. It's just, yeah, little 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 injections of dopamine every time you're playing Ooh, this thing. Man. But then you got to up that, that dosage. You don't That's, feel like you used to. And now I do heroin. <laughs> and uh, it's this game's fault. The yeah. end. <laughs> I think that sums up what I wanted to say about this story. Did you have, like, favorite characters or anything? Meg. 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 Please don't. Um, uh, Dionysus was my boy. Oh, I yeah. that guy. You get, all the, so you cool. get all the Greeks together for dinner later in the story. Spoiler alert. No. Okay, I'm going to have to Google but that. But they don't, there's no scene or anything, which is really lame. What? It's always like, it's just like, hey, we're getting dinner together for dinner. And then it's like, great party. Blah, blah, blah. I'm Dionysus, bro. Is that what he sounds like now? Yeah. It's Duff Man. It sounds <laughs> it's like Duff, Duff Man. Man. Well, let's move on to the gameplay then. Gameplay? The the, uh, the part where you actually make the guy move. Mm. Please cut that out. That was terrible. <laughs> um, again, this is this is classified as a roguelike, of course, which, I've, as I've said, I have mixed feelings about. But what I do, I've decided definitively that I prefer roguelikes that have some kind of persistent progress or meta-progress. Which this game, of course, does through the, the darkness upgrades and some other things. The uh, keepsakes, is that what they're called? Keepsakes, yeah. Um, <clears throat> weapon upgrades. Yes. it. I guess it's less of a pure roguelike in that sense. Yeah. But I I really do prefer that. That Again, that's another element of that, that you know, feeding you the satisfaction over time. Is yes. You know you're not ultimately being set back all the way to the beginning which is a huge mental thing it is and i think in games where it's a pure roguelike it it gets super frustrating when you die and you're close to the end or you have a good run then it it just feels like wasted time even though everything's wasted time but (laughs) just knowing that you you got a little bit stronger and i think for me, what worked about this game so well is the balance between the different elements of progression. By that, I mean, for example, I went very abruptly from thinking that Hades, the final boss of the game, <laughs> was, um, it's too late for that. It's too late. <laughs> was very difficult to being able to beat him like pretty consistently 
And I think it was due to the perfect combination of me just getting better at the game. Um, you know, learning his attacks, learning how to avoid damage. Also learning the systems, the, how to upgrade my character effectively. And also the persistent power-ups that I had obtained. It Like, all three of those things together, the balance between them just felt perfect. Yeah, and, you know, there's been other games like... Well, we, we bring this one up a lot when we talk about kind of difficulty, growth. It's, Baldur's Gate 3? God, no. That was a callback. But Hyperlight Drifter, mm-hmm. at the beginning, some parts are very hard... And then by the end, you're just ripping through those parts. You feel like such a badass. Yeah, yeah and this this had an element of that, but as you said, also has these progressive uh, upgrades that you get. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it also shows the fact that you can go from getting your butt kicked by Hades to consistently beating him. It shows that randomness isn't too big of a factor in this game, like I feel that it is in some roguelikes. Yeah. I played somewhere, it just feels like you have a run where you, you can't do anything. You're just like, you're just, you're really hamstring is not working out for right. you. Right, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was really well done. Another, uh, another comment about the actual RNG element is it's a real delight to me to have enough RNG to where you kind of get this sweet spot of you can get crazy builds. Mm hmm. Like, that do feel a little overpowered, but that's part of the fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a big thing with Noita, another game as well. It's like, every once in a while, you get a just an insane build that led to such a unique gameplay, you know, that it was it felt really special, and you know you'd never get it again. Yeah, yeah. You know things aren't going to align quite that perfectly again. Yeah. This game also, speaking of randomness, it does give you the ability to mitigate some of the randomness through, like, you can pick different paths to choose which upgrade you want. You also get um, keepsakes that you can use to increase your chances of getting certain boons and the reroll tokens. I forget what they're called, but I, I like how that's another way you get stronger is by mitigating some of that randomness. Yeah. It's a good design element. It is. It they is. made so many shrewd choices with regards to little things like that. It's really crazy. I think I gave the example to you before that when you're moving around the game, they made it feel so nimble. Oh, and man. this is The control in this game is spot on. Dead on. And one of the, re- you know, just little things that they did to really polish that mm-hmm. is the fact that you can dash through objects. If they had, yeah. t- if they, if you could not dash through objects in this game, it would feel like you were getting caught up on shit all yeah. the time. Yeah. And so they made a very, obviously a very conscious and very shrewd decision to, so that you can just dash through walls and stuff, which yes. makes it feel so much better when you're actually trying to navigate. Yeah, that the- little change would have just fucked up the game so much yeah the degree of auto aiming in this how auto aiming worked felt really good i yep. very rarely had any issues with that yeah it just it just felt so good to play yeah whenever you fucked up it didn't ever feel like it was the game not doing what you told it to right yeah this definitely is in the category of simple to learn, difficult to master as well. Yep. You, in like a few minutes, you understand your entire like vocabulary of what you can do. It's all about learning the 
the power-ups and strategies and enemy attack patterns. Yep, the, the subtleties yes, after, after the, the initial stuff. The nuances, The if nuance you will. of this game. Like, like sampling a fine wine. Indeed. How did you... I, oh, I will sorry. say, I have a criticism of the gameplay. How dare you? That's right. In a mostly stellar game, uh, it can get pretty button mashy at the end. If you, especially if you have certain builds, and I found them to be the most advantageous builds, were also the most button. Well, let's let's talk about this because let me tell me what your favorite weapons were. Favorite and least love 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 those fisties. Love to fist people. If you if you fucking knew it, I knew you were a fist boy. I knew it. Califan? What was his name? Galavant. The fisties. I do not remember the names. The gloves. Just call them the gloves. gloves. The gloves. Gloves are the best. The, well, gloves are the best. Shield is the second best. You're welcome, everyone. That's it. I liked all except the bow, and I gotta say, I liked the gauntlets at first. I didn't end up liking them precisely because they mm. felt the most button mashy by far. Yeah. With the other weapons, I felt like I was doing these kind of measured timing counterattacks. With the the gauntlets, I just felt like I was diving in and dashing around like a madman, and that was like the best way to play with them. Yes, so totally. I kind of stopped using them. Coward. No, um, I, I'm a cowardly man. I no, actually, you're that. not because it is the easiest. I, it, they have to be the easiest to use. I think. I think if with certain builds. Although I gotta say, my favorite ended up being sword with the aspect of Poseidon. That is a fun one. It is, and it it. Like, to me, it makes the whole casting system, which there's a lot going on with it. So the, the, It makes that so much more viable. Explain the, the, the aspect the, of the Yeah. So it's the one with the sword where it increases your casting power, I believe. But more importantly, when you hit them with your special, which is like an AoE attack, it dislodges the casting gems so you can cast again more quickly. The main thing that it does is it makes the casting really good against bosses. Because that's when you struggle with the casting build. You, you have to cast three times and wait till the gems kind of fall off like bloated ticks. <laughs> and then you can do it again. But with Poseidon, you can just kind of spam that that loop of cast, 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 special. But it's still skill-based, too. That's the other thing, it is, right? It You're is. still kind of balancing things. Right. But my strongest build... I'll just tell you what, what I had, and I have it written down because I'm that much of a nerd. I had sort of that aspect of Poseidon. I had the true shot, which is Artemis's like arrows mm-hmm. that she does, which can crit. I had exit wounds, which does damage oh. when the gems are dislodged. Yeah, which that is was amazing. massive with it. Um, I had excruciating shot, which adds casting damage. Halting grasp, which I think is a chaos thing that gives you an extra gem. I had Flurry Cast, which lets you cast faster. Oh, my gosh. Um, all the bosses were just a joke on that run. It was ridiculous. So my most powerful build I had was on my very last run of the game. Uh-huh. What was uh, it? Basically, I was trying to get the 16, 16 heat achievement. And I didn't mess with the heat a whole lot. Yeah, so I, I basically, this is when I decided I was 100%ing this game. And was going for the 16 heat achievement. 
took the fists with the aspect of Zagreus, so it's the the dodge percentage chance. Dodgy boy. And then I took the the feather, her, uh, Hermes's feather, so that I, it was upping my dodge attack the faster I finished each level. So you were Sonic the Hedgehog. I was Sonic the Hedgehogging around. And just on a stupid pinball machine that everyone thinks <laughs> is a good game, but it's not that good. <laughs> but by the end, I had, had taken a lot of Poseidon uh, aspects to where dashes would push people away. Then you get the one oh, where gosh. when they hit when they hit walls, they do get the dealt extra damage. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean you can just get you get some extra dashes in there. By the time you get to the Seder tunnels, you're just you just dashing, dashing around, around mm-hmm. and everybody explodes. But I will say, Hades is a little harder with that build. Yeah, because you can't just mash him into walls as much, can you? Right. But I will say that despite that, I despite it, the fact that it was a 16 heat run, first time I'd ever done it that high, I got to and beat Hades without losing a single or using a single death no defiance. No damage. No damage. <laughs> no damage run. No. Um, but yeah, I didn't use a single death defiance. My best That's run wild. ever by far, and it broke my personal best for time. With 17 minutes. That's that's so. on because I did like eight or nine heat, and some some of the even the random sub bosses are like tough, get really hard. Yeah, tough. I'm sure there's, you know, depending on how you scale up your heat, it can be a lot easier or harder. But yeah, well, and I was on the most degenerate build I could, which is the the dodge build essentially. Yeah, yeah. The other really strong build I got was you can get the triple shot unlimited ammo upgrade for the adamant rail. And I always thought that felt really good by itself. Yeah. But then I had a lot of Zeus boons with that. Mm. So it was chain lightninging all over the place with every bullet. And it just, I just dashed around and constantly fired and everything just died. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. The Adamant Rail feels really good, too. The it's Ad- it's, it's a good one. my second favorite, yeah. probably. Yeah. The bow, I think if you'd use the bow more, you'd li- actually like it. I can see, but it, it's... The worst is the spear, all right? Can we agree I, on that? I beat the game with the uh, hidden spear upgrade, which was not too easy, actually, because you start with, like, 30 health. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually beat it with that, which I'm sure isn't that huge of an achievement for a normal person, but <laughs> it was probably the... Because even at the end, I only had about maybe 70 health. Yeah. So you can get, like, one-shotted. Yeah. How do you feel in general about this game's power-up systems? I was pretty impressed by it, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying it's, to... It's not too confusing, but it has that constant... That it just doesn't get stale because there's so many unpredictable ways you can combine things. Yeah, again, hitting the, the the weird, like, kind of idiosyncratic combination of things is mm-hmm. very well done in this game and very yes. hard to balance. Like It's hard to pull off because yeah. a lot of games, you, you kind of early on, you figure out, oh, this is how I like to play this game. I like to use a shield. I like to do this. But I kept getting, trying new weapons and then getting different boons kind of randomly and realizing, oh, this can actually work really well, too. Yeah. And one of the beauties about having the randomness aspect to that is, you know, unlike Skyrim or something, where you might... You Don't might, you dare talk about it. <laughs> no, you might be trying to build advantageously. Here, that advantageous choice might be taken away from you, but it also might lead you down a path of discovery to a very fun build. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, you might not have started out with a casting build, but you'll end up with one and kind of 
find the the coolness in that. You know? Yeah, the randomness does force you to develop an experimental approach. Style yeah, yeah. So complaints. You said one already. Button mash about the button mashiness. And that's not the game's fault. It's your fault, you <laughs> cretin. No, I I didn't... It, I, my main complaint is just that it's a roguelike, and roguelikes are... Awesome. Are inherently... There's a repetitive loop. But I do feel that this game was better than most because you, you kind of get to the point where you can fly through those early levels that you're maybe getting more sick of. But still, you kind of get tired of the same scenery after a while. That's true. Minor complaint. Can I talk about the scenery for just a second? Ooh, please do. I thought one of the, I mean, we haven't even talked about the visuals of this game. Oh, we'll get to the graphics. Oh, I'm we'll sorry. get to it. It's another we'll section. Put a, let's put a pin we in this. We have a very rigorous format. I did want to talk about is the addictiveness of this game. I just wrote, I have a note here that just says addicting AF. Yeah. Well, I think we're in agreement though that this is a good to great game, not just an addictive game. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about why that is. And here's my, my thesis on it. The, the time you can tell whether a game is good or just addictive is when you're done playing it, kind of in retrospect. It's how you feel looking back on it that tells you the, the difference. Because it's hard to tell in the moment if you're playing a game still because it's legitimately good yeah, or you're just kind of compelled to continue by the various mechanisms that developers have learned to keep you coming back. Yeah. yeah and I think that while the developers certainly identified those things and mm -hmm. implemented them, the difference here is that they gave you more than that on top of those addicting little mechanisms. Yeah, that's true. Um, like, again, they did not have to put in a good story. They did not have... Well, good, maybe relative. I mean, it, it, they, did, they didn't have to put in a story. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to make the graphics as beautiful as they were or have such interesting gameplay elements. Um, but they did a good job with all those things to elevate it from just addicting to yeah. good to great. And I think it's worth saying that all, I mean, almost all successful games have at least some addictive elements in them. To me, one of the most intrinsic things is games give you this sense of accomplishment as you play. And it's an accomplishment that's much easier than accomplishing things in, in real life, life right? <laughs> your goals are much more simplistic. You know, yeah. that's one people reason people play, and this game certainly has that. There are other things like sometimes it's just that sense of escapism that you that you want, which can I think can be pretty healthy. Exploration and discovery in games can be very addictive, like that. Yeah, that's one for me that is very effective for whatever reason. But I think. Sexual release, Sexual. I think. <laughs> Randomness is another thing that, though, is inherently addictive and can feel kind of manipulative. Like loot boxes, for example. Right. Are classified as a form of gambling. They're illegal in, like, Belgium and the Netherlands. 
And while this game does use randomness as a means of keeping you playing, I still look back on it fondly, and I never just felt like I was a hamster on a wheel just cranking out runs even though I wasn't enjoying myself anymore. Right, right. The other big thing is, like, obviously with online games, addictive design has been, like, cranked up to 11. Yeah. When there's, especially when there's, like, a subscription model or a repeated purchases or transactions. Games also have additional things they can do, like appealing to your competitive drive. Like, there's a, a leaderboard that you're trying to get to, like, triple diamond platinum right, rank right, or something yeah. like that. So by virtue of the fact that this is a single-player game, it's inherently, like, I can't think of a single-player game that I've had strong negative feelings about. With regards in, to ad- addictive. In, yeah, yeah, in regards to being too addictive. And Can, well, can you think of any single-player game you play that you've really, like, ooh, I shouldn't have played that so much? Not really. Wow. For me, I, I, nothing's kind of... I don't of think so. Yeah, mostly multiplayer for the, for the exact reasons that you described. The competitiveness. The, well, and, the competitiveness and the fact that the revenue model in those types of yeah. games is based off of hooking people. Here, they don't have any ulterior motives to do that. It's because, just generosity right. at that point. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like I they, they wanted to design a game that was had the content for they people to play. They don't need to keep you playing. But right. If they, but they don't to. need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a but I would like, you pay, can you can hang out longer if you want. But I will pay extra for a, a skin for Meg that titillating Meg skin, just right. little those pasty nipple yeah. sticker things. Super giant. Are you listening? Mm, listen, million dollar ideas. Surely there's a lot of porn about that character. You know, the, what if there is? We could that? have we could have a rule thirty four um, segment. After every game, Please. including things like Undertale. That's the disturbing part. <laughs> including Outer Wilds. <laughs> Were there females in that game? Um, anyway, one more final point, And then I'll shut up. And then I'll shut up, okay? I promise. <laughs> I could have easily played, like, League of Legends or PUBG instead of all of the games we've played so far for this podcast. Easily. Yes. Yeah. And in retrospect, which is the richer experience? That's kind of my point. Yeah. No, I think they're, you know, it's a tough spot for people, particularly with regards to if, again, we talked about it last time, I think, but if you look at the top grossing games, they're they are, cell phone oh, they're games not and they're not good. crazy things that aren't That's necessarily true. good, but have tapped into a revenue model that makes them successful. Yeah. And... That's why we see a, a ton of hours being pumped into those games is because cell phone games, dude. Yeah, it, it, but it's because of that intersection of human behavior and and profitability. Yeah, and so yeah. But I'm too smart for those. <laughs> That's the thing that I know that shit. If I got into it, it would probably work on me. It would consume I, you. Yeah, yeah. It's only because. You're so smart and <laughs> handsome that it's you like, resist. My handsomeness will protect me. <laughs> no, um, it's like I'm I'm not not addicted to heroin because I'm just that good of a person. <laughs> it's because I've never tried heroin. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know that I would get addicted to it if I tried it. Yeah. Please don't pick fact, up I, uh, yeah. Genshin Impact or something. Don't do it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I kind of want to reiterate that the developer, Supergiant, 
is doing a cool thing by offering yes. a game with a lot of replayability. Absolutely. Well, I absolutely, I was, I was trying to basically parse out why this game, although addictive, is still good. Yes, and not evil, and not a bad boy, not, <laughs> not a mean game that I makes me feel bad. <laughs> That's going to be a weird way to end this show. Shut up. I want to talk about graphics real quick. Talk about... Oh, we didn't talk about the music either. Graphics, music. Here's what I have to say about music. The stinger? (laughs) The stingers. The stingers after killing bosses was my favorite part about the music. And the game. And the entire game. That's the only thing that made it playable. Stinger, right? (laughs) Please stop. I'm so sorry. Um, the music didn't stand out a whole lot for me. Except it, for... But that's okay. It worked totally. Asphodel, I did like the music in Asphodel. The I liked, synth, throbbing synth. I liked it when they sang together. The duets. Oh, yeah. Um, you yeah, ready to see... You ready to see an Orpheus? Orpheus. Orpheus's dope hairstyle. You ready to see, though. That you ready to see, though. You like the... Uh, Acorn tree hair, woman or Acorn woman, dryad. Is that what she is? Dry must be dryad. So I will say their duets were a cool element of the game. It was again, again mixing elements of the game, which is the music and stuff like that, with the story element. You just get this nice melting pot of stuff of game cuisine. Game cuisine. The meat. Let's talk guts. about. Let's talk about the graphics a bit. Graphics. Um, it's one of those games where. There's so much visual detail, and I feel like I, the nature of the gameplay makes it kind of hard to appreciate. I did kind of force myself a couple times to stop and look around mm-hmm. because it is a it is a really nice looking game. It is. They they do a lot of cool stuff with the actual um, foreground and background, yes. and uh, yeah, the parallax scrolling that. Mm-hmm. that really works well. Uh, the g- graphic style. Unlike any game I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. It's, it's semi-cartoony, but then it kind of still works somehow. Right. Yeah. There's not, like, exaggerated proportions for the most part. Everyone looks real sexy, which I always appreciate. Um, even the rock, somehow, is a sensual creature. The um, One thing they do a really good job visually is highlighting threats. You can always tell mm-hmm. when something is a projectile or traps are clearly kind of delineated. You learn all that stuff really quickly. Yeah. Which is essential for the gameplay as well. But I, I appreciate it. Right. It could be very frustrating otherwise. Yeah. There's a, I love the your one fan that you have in the arena. <laughs> yeah. When you fight Theseus and uh, the bull. I can't remember. Asterius. Yeah. Um, that's such a cool little detail. I always had to walk by that guy. Yeah, the splashes, uh, or the icons of the characters, what do you call those, the portraits? Portraits. The portraits are all pretty cool, and like, really set up the character and kind of mm. make him stand out. All and the characters are very unique. You remember every single character in this game. Think about do. it. I, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> there are also characters that are mythological people, things that exist outside of the game, but... 
Yes, I I think the fact that it has that cohesiveness that you get with the small studio. Too. Yeah, I don't know how many people are on the art team, but the, at least it one. looks like it was all drawn by one person. I'm assuming right. one person did all the art <laughs> and animation. But I I always like that when a game manages to pull that off. And huge shout out to just the use of color in the graphics. It's an extremely colorful game. They wanted to go black and white. I told them, guys, <laughs> throw some color in there. And I You're think I saved the game <laughs> by saying that. No, but the, every every area has its own colors that kind of paint the area. Yes, but that's true. There's also a lot of uh, vibrancy to every like scene in the game. Like seriously, like look at a screenshot of that game, and it's just. Super colorful. Yeah, you can it, you can pause it at any point, and there's a lot to appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to say too that you know they they talk about Diablo two to three, I think that in three they wanted to make a lot more use of color in that game, um, but they fucked it up. No, I, <laughs> no. I don't know. I never played it, and it it did have a lot more color than two, and they kind of went with a different there were three direction. Colors. <laughs> they went with a different direction. Uh, art-wise, and I, I I just think at some point someone looked at this game and said, like, we need to make this game kind of pop and have that colorful aspect of it. Some unhelpful person just said, hey, make, make it, it pop. pop. No, but it's almost refreshing when you get out into Elysium from Asphodel. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. It is such a shift. And they do have characters that are unique to each area. Interestingly, I looked up this thing about the meta versus run rewards, like the persistent versus um, like the darkness and gems and whatnot versus the power-ups. Yeah. Each area has its own ratio mm. between those things. That, that, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's kind of... No one cares about that probably, but I thought it was kind of cool. Did you have anything else? <clears throat> have I said the word onion enough? I wrote the word onion like nine times in my notes. Ogres have layers. Is the Shrek reference? A Shreference. Shreference, if you will. In summary, I really enjoyed this game. Check it out. Everyone says it's good, so it must be good. Don't be one of those weirdos that just doesn't want to play a game because everyone says it's good. Don't be a contrarian. And also, you need to watch Breaking Bad, you piece of shit. It's a really good show. Don't be weird. Oh. Um, what's our next game? It's going to be... Next uh, game. We're, we're going... Going we're retro. We said we would. We said... And we're following through. We told y'all we would. And we're going to play a game called Faxanadu, or possibly Fazanadu, but we're going to call it Faxanadu. Not Fazanadu, what? People say that, I know. No. But it's an NES game, so yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about it. It's a, a uh, cherished game from my childhood. A so. real blast from the past. Yes, join us. And until then, everybody, we love you in a very personal way. I don't mean that as a generality. And also a sexual way. Of course, of course. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please tell your friends, subscribe, review us on your podcast platform of choice, and we would very much appreciate it. We also have a website, the-mmg.com or themuseumofmoderngames.com. That's all one word, no punctuation. And from there, you can find links to all of our various social media presences and a list of the games we're planning on playing next. 
We would love to hear your thoughts about the games we have covered, as well as any suggestions for games you would like us to play in the future. And if you help support us on Patreon, you can get a number of perks like access to our Discord server, and you can even vote on our next game. 